Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast here on NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. It is Wednesday, January 11th, 2017, and we are back and we are live. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, whether you're doing it live or on, on demand. Make sure you're following us at all times, Facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast. Visit the homepage, NGSC Sports. Tons of coverage there. There's plenty of bonus coverage. Check out all the tabs, all the shows on the NGSC Sports Radio Network can be found at NGSC Sports and also Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app by searching NGSC. You can podcast our show. Subscribe to us on Android. Subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do subscribe on iTunes, please make sure you rate and review us. Also, we stream daily at LeibSports.com. That is L-E-E-I-B Sports. Dot com Again, facebook.com slash huddle up podcast is a place to go to uh, keep track of everything and also to uh, be interactive with us. Make sure you uh, like that page and uh, and do all of that. Share the page as well. Let's get Dave in here with us. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Back on the air, my friend. We are back on the air. Uh, week off last week, but uh, it's been a... Uh been quite a uh, interesting day for the to say the least um but uh uh missing my college football already about sums up the day of life right now yeah it's it's gone just like that the college football season is over uh and the nfl season and that's why i, I titled the episode this week the end is near because we're only a, and, and it's scary to think about that a month from now football's it's done so we're we're, we're kind of you, you and i have been talking a lot uh over the last couple of weeks of how we continue this show and we're going to continue this show this show is not going to end it's kind of started as a uh as a as a football idea hence the name uh the name is not changing the day is not changing the time is not changing but uh obviously once football season is over um we're we're, we're hammering out some ideas so i make sure everyone uh, you know, stay tuned with us. Um, obviously, on our on our Twitter pages, we'll give those, uh, and that, like I said, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast, is, is the homepage for the show. 
once football season is over, we'll we'll have a clearer picture of uh, of how we're going to uh, adjust the show a little bit, but stay with you year round. Um, in, in in a topic, Dave, real quick before we do talk about some football that uh, is 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 um, uh, really time sensitive and is something that is happening uh, as we are uh, as we are on the air. Is oh, we have to make sure uh, Mitch is Mitch is listening for this. Yes, we do need to make sure. So hopefully Mitch is hearing this. I'm sure Mitch might want to call in, and anybody can call in. And the number is it's a different number, so stay tuned. Eight six six three nine eight zero three eight three. Again, that is eight six six three nine eight zero three eight three. Call in and uh, and talk to us about some sports here on a Wednesday night. But uh, we we have rivalry night, NHL rivalry night, of course, on NBC Sports Network. The uh, the Capitals and the Penguins is a two nothing Capitals lead. But more importantly, thirty five seconds, Dave, into that game, Alex Ovechkin scored a goal, assisted by Nicholas Backstrom, his one thousandth career point. Uh, so pretty uh, pretty impressive stuff by Ovechkin, a guy that um, you know has been absolutely one of the best offensive players. Um, in in this generation, in a long time, and and probably ever in the history of the league, and and I know that uh, I, I had some friends that, uh, of course, had to you know try to, and it, it wasn't Mitch. Uh, it, it was a, it was another friend of mine that's a Penguins fan. I have to reevaluate my friends, <laughs> but uh, that that said, you know, well, Crosby's played this number of, of less games, and he's only eighteen points behind Ovechkin. He's clearly better. Like we know Crosby's good, assholes. Like, can't we just uh, uh, agree that both these guys are great? Why does it? Why do you have to try and and make Ovechkin's accomplishment uh, uh, about the Sid the Squid? Uh, it just seems a bit absurd to me that that they feel the need to do that. Um, but regardless of uh, of of oh, Sid or or uh, Ovechkin being better, Ovechkin got to a thousand first. So uh, pretty cool, pretty cool uh, achievement for Alex Ovechkin, Dave. Yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime you get to a huge number like that, um, it's definitely a incredible achievement and uh, something that should be recognized. Um, I, I mean, even when uh, you, you know uh, Crosby's in my top five of most hated athletes, and uh, it's a heck of an accomplishment even when he gets there. So uh, it, it's worth recognizing and uh, definitely uh, definitely deserves the the uh, media time that it's going to get and the attention. Um, I, but I mean, I, I go to something like this and when, when I see Ovechkin at a thousand points, the first thing I'd have to do is I have to pull up Wayne Gretzky's stats because they are just so ridiculous. I mean, they, he has one, 1,963 assists, right? Ovechkin's almost, he's just over halfway to the number of assists that Gretzky has. And that's not even factoring in Gretzky's goals. Oh yeah, I mean, if if, if Gretzky, I, I I think what is it? If you take away, if you take away his goals, all of his goals scored, he would still lead career points. Um, that's correct by by a lot. I mean, like it's it's not even close. It, it's it's absolutely disgusting. Um, the uh the the number the the number of points, how dominant he was. And uh, I mean, I, I've said for years that that Ovechkin is, in my opinion, the best goal scorer in the league. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the the best player argument and, and where to put guys in uh, in terms of the 
history of the NHL. And that that's something and maybe maybe as as I'm I'm thinking things out loud, maybe that's another thing that that we might do uh maybe some special uh bonus shows uh throughout the uh football off season it is kind of these discussion points that 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 go through uh my head and and end up on Twitter and things at time but like I I I've never been one to be Oh, this guy's the greatest player ever because sports, no matter what the sport, it evolves so much. So the, the the style of play that is being played now is so different to the one that Lemieux played in and Gretzky played in and Gordy Howe played in. And, and you go back over history and, you know, obviously just in hockey, but eras and, and style and the way rules are enforced and the way equipment is and everything is so different that I don't know that you can – really hammer down the best ever you can go best of era maybe but not best ever hey you have a point there but i mean i i i don't know that i could call it best ever but i i would have a hard time not standing by the statement that saying that gretzky was one of the most dominant maybe the most dominant kind of using a foot terminology there but um i i mean you you, you make a good point. It'd be an interesting discussion. I mean, we can have the full thing at the baseball. You can have the same discussion with, uh, with Babe Roof and say, uh, you know, he had, I think the stats like 660 more home runs than anyone else during his time period. And yeah. That's a huge number. But does that make him the best of all time? To me, I, I, I could argue that yes or no. Um, to me, though, does it make him the best home run hitter of all time? Um, I think that's a hard one to say no to, in all honesty. But that's a whole other argument for another day. But, I mean, I think you have to look at – to me, to, to, to name the best of all time in a sport, you have to look at how much better someone was than everyone else when they were playing. And you have to – that's how you have to kind of analyze the stats. But um, you, you also have to factor in when Gretzky was playing, it was a, a goal-scoring era right. to some extent, you know. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you have to factor all that in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's it's that there's so many logistics that that people, uh, you know, don't think about, and 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 it's and I think that'll be a, a interesting, interesting set of discussions uh, as as we uh, again as we morph the show and go through the off season, uh, football off season, and, and all of that. Uh, it will be certainly something to uh, to to think about and ponder over. Maybe we'll throw some polls out on the. Uh, on the Twitter and on the Facebook, things like that, get 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 input from people uh, because we want to do we do want to make this a, as interactive of a show uh, as we possibly can. Again, the number to call in eight six six three nine eight zero three eight three. You can get in and, and talk to Dave and I eight six six three nine eight zero three eight three. Obviously, Dave, Monday, uh, the, the national championship, the college football national championship, this one played in Tampa at uh, at Raymond James Stadium. Clemson, Alabama, the rematch. Uh, I, I missed some of the first half. I, I, I had an appointment on Monday night. Uh, I know terrible timing. Uh, I made the appointment like eight weeks ago. And uh, I knew uh, the only thing I knew at that point is Notre Dame is not going to be in the national championship. So I wasn't even thinking about when the uh, when the date was. But uh, I, I caught I think I got back with a, with a, about five minutes or so into the second quarter. Um, and, uh, and and I watched pretty much the whole way through uh, ended up actually like dozing off somewhere about the, the six minute left mark uh, in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, I was, uh, I was on the couch, dozed off, 
woke up around four something, five something, and uh, and and it was pretty much the same exact time that I, that I had fallen asleep. So I uh, had a little bit of time travel. Uh, came to saw the end of the game, saw Clemson um, pick up the uh, pick up the victory in uh, an impressive fashion. They finished the year um, uh, on top of the college football world. And, and and there there's obviously there there's a lot of discussion about um you know was this the the the, the greatest uh college football game was this the greatest title game ever uh I, I think that one still belongs to the uh USC Texas game uh with Vince Young and I mean just just there was so much going into that one um this one I mean really I I think what you know it was a fun game it was a great game to watch uh, I, I think, it, you know, the, the excitement of it, I mean, Alabama scored to take the lead uh, with, well, Clemson took the lead four and a half minutes ago. Alabama takes the lead with two minutes to go. Clemson able to come down and uh, and score and go ahead and, and win the game with one second left. I mean, the, the finish uh, was probably one of the most exciting. I don't know if it's the most exciting or best uh, uh, overall game. Uh, to me, Dave, the, the most telling thing out of this one is 21 points. 21 points scored by Clemson in the fourth quarter. You don't, you don't, you don't see Alabama. They're they've gone games uh, without giving up 21 points. They've they've probably gone multiple games in a row without looking at their schedule. Uh, but they've probably gone that many games that they've gone multiple games in a row where they haven't given up 21 points. They give it 21 points in a quarter. And I think it, you, you look at the number of plays that, that Clemson ran. They ran close to 100 plays in this game. That Alabama defense got worn out by Clemson. If I would have told anybody at the, the beginning of the season that Alabama was going to get worn out and 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 really dominated in the fourth quarter of a game in a national title game. I think a lot of people would have thought I was crazy, but that's what happened, and that's why Clemson wins this game. An impressive coaching job, honestly, by both teams. But Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers, and you. I mean, I, I've said for weeks that I, that I didn't didn't think Clemson was for real. I, I couldn't have been proven more wrong. I couldn't have been proven more wrong a lot this year. Uh, in college football, quite frankly, um, they you know they impressed me. I, I I mean I know Ohio State wasn't as impressive as as uh, they they were perceived at times, but the the thirty eight nothing to Clemson kind of woke me up to who exactly Clemson was, and I thought this game was going to be really interesting. A lot of people didn't give them the chance, uh, but they they come out on top. They come out the winner, and. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson finishes his career at Clemson with the national championship. Uh, the redemption from the loss a year ago uh, goes out beating Nick Saban and, and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, that's that's a pretty damn good way to end your college career. Yeah, Jim, a uh, couple couple interesting things about this. Uh, I, I didn't write anything down, but a couple ideas popped into my head while you were you were talking there. But I think I think the first thing. That uh, I, I think that is interesting and kind of goes on some past conversations that we've had is what did Deshaun Watson and William, their wide receiver Williams, do for their draft stock by playing these two games? I've seen that Deshaun's up to the number two potential quarterback at this point in the NFL draft. 
And Williams is now rated by, uh, I think, Mel Kuyper as the number one receiver. Um, huge, huge advantage for them playing those games. And I'm not getting into the debate on playing or not playing, but uh, when things go right like that, look what it does to your draft stock. Um, second point I want to make, uh, again, I think this bowl season was very interesting. If you look at the conference records, I mean, the SEC got pummeled in bowls. The Big Ten got pummeled in bowls. Yeah. The Pac-12 the Pac got pummeled in bowls for the most part. Isn't that interesting? Who's your dominant team in bowls? The ACC. Yeah. I'm not dominant team, but your dominant conference. Yeah. So what does that what does that say for next year? Because I think this is a telling sign next year. I think the ACC is now one of the powerhouses in football. I think they are on the map um, without a doubt, to say the least. Um, the, the other thing that is scary, if you look at this uh, Alabama team, is almost their entire offense is freshmen. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think them and Ohio State, the, the, as crazy as it was, and I, you and I have kind of talked about that, that it, it's been a wild year for college football, but I think it's because the the overall talent um, – I don't want to say overall talent, but the overall level of play, we just we felt there was a lot of like youth and inexperience and sporadic play, and I think it showed on the field and it showed with the results. Um, Alabama and Ohio State, very young, maybe a year ahead of their time, which is what's really terrifying about uh, Alabama. But uh, yeah, no, I think you're spot on there about the the ACC and these conferences. Um, I've said. This year, and, and even a little bit last year, regardless of Alabama winning the title, is I, I thought we're starting to see because it does. College football goes uh, in, in in cycles, and and I think you're starting to see it turn a little bit. I mean, the SEC has been so dominant; you can't deny uh, how dominant the SEC has been. But it, it's starting to turn a little bit, and there's other conferences. The Big Ten is starting to rebound. The Pac-12 is starting to rebound. The ACC is really coming on strong. Um, and, and there's teams that looked great at times this year in the ACC, but they're just not there yet, but they're, they're coming around. Like Miami, I think, is one of those that, that had a lot of hype, had, you know, kind of caught fire a little bit, got cooled off. Um, you know, the, the, there's, uh, there's other instances. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really going to be curious to see. I know, and I'm not going to get into that. We'll, we'll look at the final rankings for this year. Uh, I know I think ESPN and, and at least CBS Sports and a couple others have already put out their admittedly way too early uh, top 25 polls uh, for next year, and we're not even going to touch those because it's absurd. But I, I am curious to see when we get to July and we get to August in these camps, um, it'll be really, it'll be intriguing. Um, and, and it was something that will, uh, definitely cover at that time where these preseason rankings, and even though we know what I feel about them, where, where they kind of, uh, stack out and see what, what people are thinking about where teams are falling. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, one last thing I want to touch on the title game. I don't think we need to add a whole bunch more there, but um, we, we know Nick Saban is a heck of a football coach. Um, whether you like the guy or not, uh, you, you know he knows X's and O's, and you know he knows how to coach the game. Um, I think personally that his one most glaring or biggest weakness is his inability to help and um, develop quarterbacks. 
And I think that's going to hinder um, Jalen Hurts, who's obviously um, he's obviously got a a ton of talent. But uh, I don't know that Saban really. I mean, I, I have been low on him all year across the podcast, um, and I haven't seen him progress at all. In all honesty, I mean, he 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 has been kind of status quo the entire year. But the uh, it's going to be interesting to see his. I don't want to call it maturity, but his growth coming into next year. And then you look at the uh, you, you look at the, the the interesting thing is going to be is to look at the difference between Jalen Hurst and the quarterback out at USC, both who are freshmen, um, and and to see the difference in the development of the two. Granted, the USC is going to throw the ball a heck of a lot more than Alabama is, but it, it's still going to be a developmental factor. Um, last thing on the title game then is if. if I don't know that it changes the game a whole lot more if uh, Scarborough isn't hurt and is able to play the rest of the game. But it definitely has some type of impact on the game as far as defensive play calling for Clemson and um, even what Alabama will be able to call on the offense. So, I mean, that has to be factored in as well. But uh, you, you got to give Clemson credit for being able to finish the game like that. Oh, certainly. Um, obviously, when you when you have and, and like you touched on a team that you know maybe isn't the best at at developing quarterbacks, and you have obviously a freshman quarterback. Um, when when you lose your your star running back, uh, that is going to have an impact. There, there's no denying it. There's no getting around it. Um, but it, it happens, and you have to have depth. And you have to be ready for anything. And 99 plays ran by Clemson, 511 yards. Um, you know they didn't have that depth. They didn't have the conditioning on defense. Again, I, I think it's such a surprising thing in this game. But I mean, you, you look at the stats: 31 first downs to 16 in favor of Clemson. 511 yards to 376. In favor. You, you look uh, at the you look at the box score, and Clemson should have won this game forty-two to twenty-one, something along those lines. Right. I mean, um, it, the 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 numbers, the the stack numbers, um, you know, are crazy. Uh, passing yards four hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty-five in favor of Clemson. Alabama dominated more on the ground, two twenty-one to ninety-one, uh, a huge lopsided number there. And Clemson control, you know, had had the time of possession. 34-44 to 25-16. I mean, Clemson, you know, overall really looked like like they dominated the game. Crazy that it came down really to the last play. Um, you know, and but you know, they did it. They earned it. Definitely. And they you know, they are the uh the national champion. So they will be your defending champion going into next season. Um final standings just looking at a couple here. Um, the AP and the, and the coaches poll fairly similar, um, down the whole road, uh, Clemson number one, obviously Bama two, uh, little differentiation here. USC is third in the AP, Oklahoma third in the coaches, Washington four in both, uh, Oklahoma and USC are flip-flopped, um, there Ohio state six, Penn state seven, Florida state eight, Wisconsin nine. Michigan ten, um, you know, I, I think it's it, it's only fair for me to to say that that is as hard as I've been on Penn State all year. That as much as I've ragged on them um, this year, uh, they did a hell of a job in the Rose Bowl. 
Uh, they, 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 they didn't finish. Obviously, they lost to USC. Um, how Ohio State finishes above Penn State uh, in, in final rankings is, is beyond me. It, how? How does this happen? Well, and, and I know it doesn't really mean anything, but how? It's all a publicity thing, and and it doesn't mean anything, so I'm not going to waste absolutely any time talking about it. Um, the only thing I want to touch on on what you said is the Penn State-USC um, game. Um, you know I've been pretty big on Penn State all year, but uh, I am absolutely shocked that they hung in this game, and I thought they were completely outclassed for the majority of the game. I thought they got extremely lucky for um, – it was a couple plays at the end of the first half and then like five minutes to start the second half. I think I saw somewhere that they had they had 28 points in four minutes of game time or something like that. So um, it really, if you take that away, they were – I don't want to say completely outclassed, but they were pretty outclassed by USC. Um, the, the other thing that was really interesting to me and has been one of Franklin's downfalls throughout his career with his coaching staff is I thought the play calling for Penn State was absolutely atrocious. You clearly had a live Saquon Barkley, and you repeatedly chose to throw the ball downfield. Um, I'm not saying you had to hand the ball off all the time, but you had a a guy that clearly had his legs, clearly had the feel for the game, uh, was breaking 10, 12, 14-yard runs pretty um, routinely, and then you kept throwing the ball. Um, I'm not, I, you, you could have put, you know, pitched it to him quick, couple quick little screens, but, uh, he should have factored a ton more in the offense until they figured out how to stop him. And that's going to open up your downfield pass game. So, um, just, just kind of, uh, commenting on that, that I think, uh, I, I think the score in that game is a little bit misleading. I thought USC, um, aside from their mistakes was, uh, was, was the way better team in that game, but that's just my, uh, my two cents on that one. Hey, you're not going to hear any argument from me, uh, but but they, I figured, I, I figured as much. <laughs> uh, they, they, I mean, they 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 certainly overachieved this year, um, and uh, obviously they they would appear to have a bright future. <clears throat> My only word of of caution and advice uh, to Penn State fans is this: uh, in 2012, they played for a national championship. Uh, this year, they and and since then, they they pretty pretty much couldn't have been further from it. Uh, so. You know, enjoy the good season when you have them because you don't know when the next one's coming. I will say that. Uh, I'm not saying that Penn State will fail or anything like that next year, but just uh, just a word of advice from somebody that's uh, gone through a college football season from hell. Dave. Uh, exactly. It- <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, that's textbook on there, Jimmy. Uh, kick, it, kick in. Uh, last thing I think we have on tap for uh, college football here. Um, just, just looking into next year. Um, who, who are some teams that are on your radar? I mean, we've obviously hit on, I think everyone's talking USC next year. Um, Penn State's obviously got a good name. Um, I, I saw some futures out in Las Vegas that Alabama is sitting at 3-1 to one right now. Um, I almost think that there's a little bit of value on Alabama because you know with all those freshmen that they're probably getting into the, fight, the, the college football playoffs. Um, one team that I think, two teams actually, that I think are, are really under the radar um, I don't know really under the radar, but under the radar and uh, definitely going to be intrigued by next year are uh, Oklahoma State in the uh, in the Big 12. Um, had a very strong year this year and some building on it for next year. Um, have a nice solid young core for the most part. Um, plus, the, the Big 12 is, is another one that's 
kind of weak, for lack of better terms. If there's not a, a real top-to-bottom type grit, like I think you're seeing in the ACC develop. Um, speaking of the ACC, the other team I think that's going to be really good next year is Florida State. I think this Florida State team is absolutely loaded. Um, they have a young leader in their quarterback. And, uh, yeah, they're losing Dalvin Cook, but uh, assuming they can get any comparable back behind him there, um, I think this Florida State team is your national champion next year. Uh, it certainly could be. Obviously, uh, that team, very, very good. Uh, you know, and it's, it's it's kind of a football factory. Uh, one team that, that I really will be keeping my eye on, and it's because I, I love their new coach, and that's LSU with Ed Orgeron. Um, I, I still think that he, he – not necessarily should have been the guy, but I think USC should have been should have given him a, a, a better look uh, when when he was the interim head coach and, and led them to a to a great finish uh, that that season when uh, Sarkeesian just blew up. Um, so I, I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do down there. Uh, I obviously it it wasn't a, a lack of talent. It wasn't a lack of um, you know, ability with LSU this year. It, it just sometimes, uh, you know, a, a coach goes as far as he can with with it with the team, with the program, whatever. And I think that's what happened with Les, My- Les Miles. I, I really do. Uh, and I think Ed Orgeron is a hell of a coach. And and obviously, uh, if he can put his staff together, and and uh, obviously losing Fournette, but uh, you know, I think LSU could make some noise. Um, another one, you know, and again, this is going back to the ACC, Virginia Tech. Um, you know, I think they were a team that overachieved this year, um, with, with, with first year with their new, new head coach. And, you know, if they can continue to develop talent, um, you know, you, you, you have that foundation with the defense. Um, you know, this is a team that, uh, you know, in the, in, in what the late nineties, early two thousands really kind of rebirth themselves into this into the uh, college football world and they hung around but never really near the top again I, I think that they can be built something special uh, down there and, and I think it's going to help you know, everybody talked about how great the SEC was for years I think you're going to see that uh, at least for a little while with the ACC and you're, you're going to get some of your best programs coming out of there the team the team or teams uh, that win their win their division in the ACC could absolutely uh, make some serious noise um, in the uh, in the college football playoff. Definitely, I think you're spot on with those two teams. Definitely a lot of potential. Um, I, I secretly want to go to a Virginia Tech game just because I think it would be so cool to be in that stadium when they bring the team out to uh, what is it, Enter Sandman or something like that. Yeah, I, I work with a guy who's uh, who's like you know uh, lives. I want to say like 10, 15 minutes from campus. Uh, so we, we just need to talk to him. As, I mean, he obviously lives up here. His parents still live down there. Uh, he goes down there a couple times a year and, and uh, goes down for the weekend. So I think I think we need to do that next year. Make a trip down there. We can crash at his house and, uh, and we'll get to a game at Virginia Tech. That sounds like a plan to me. Awesome. I, I would love to, but we'll see what what I'm allowed with the with the with the little one coming. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll I, I think I think uh, you know I, I think we can sweet talk the life. We'll we'll, we'll work on yeah, it. We, we can try. We can try. Um, last thing I have in college football, then, and again, this is kind of I think I already said that, but a little off the cuff one that kind of just hit me here. 
and I'm going to throw it at you, and I'll give you my opinion first so you have uh, something to disagree with. But do you think that the football shifting from, like, the SEC, the Big Ten, to the ACC has to do with a lot more kids leaving school early? unless you don't have the, the offensive, the defensive linemen that have been here as long and are better conditioned. And this is prone to conferences that like to, that tend to like to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, my, my opinion is I think it has something to do with it, but it's not the whole equivalent of it. But I think there is something to say that you're, when you're relying on uh, either a second-year starting senior versus a second-year sophomore or a redshirt sophomore, there, there's definitely going to be some difference in ability and all that. So um, I, I think it factors into it, but I think that's a uh, another key that a lot of these uh, a lot of these NFL teams are going to have to start shifting what they're looking for, and I think a, a lot of the onus is going to be on the NFL team to um, continue developing these players where they were used to five, ten years ago. The players were coming out developed, not having to be developed. So kind of two different ball games I think that's being placed on the NFL teams at the moment. But um, what are your thoughts on that, Jimmy? Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question posed and I think there is something to it. I don't know how, how deep it goes because right now it's not an overwhelming number of, of, of kids that are jumping way early. Um, if it continues to happen, <clears throat> you know, uh, do we, do we see, you know, really a, a shift in, in the, the style and the and the look and the feel of these games like like has happened in college basketball where you get the one and dones. Um, which I also think too, this is where like the I know it was uh, be beginning to be discussed by the NFL to actually have like a development league, uh, you know, similar to the AHL in hockey, where you have guys that come out of college and they go into this development league. So um it's it's still professional ball. It's it's obviously a step up from college, uh, but it, it's it's not, you know, it's not uh, you know where where really the, the the biggest boys play. So, you know that that's something to watch too because, like you said, if the if the NFL teams have to develop these kids instead of, instead of plugging them into a game situation, you know, it, it, it's going to change the NFL game. It's it's going to continue to change the college game. Um, it's only going to get more complicated, I think, over the next uh, over the next couple of years, as as both college and the NFL uh, kind of try and get a handle on this and 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 see how it moves and see how it morphs. Uh, it, it's it's it, anybody's guess really is uh is as good as is as good as mine and yours. I agree with that a hundred percent. So um. Unless you have anything further, with that being said, uh, until next year, college football, it's been fun. Yeah, let's, we're gonna we're putting it away. We are putting it away here, and uh, you've ripped my heart out by that, by the way, because you know how much I love it. Well, and uh, and it looks like uh, as a as a tweet coming out now, uh, this is kind of a developing story. The um, just just really breaking five minutes ago, uh, it, it is official now. The Chargers plan to announce the move from San Diego to Los Angeles. So the San Diego Chargers uh, will be leaving San Diego and uh, will be moving to Los Angeles. Uh, they plan to announce as early as tomorrow. 
Thursday, the 12th of January, that uh, they will end their 55-year stint in San Diego and uh, and return to Los Angeles where they played their inaugural season back in 1960. Uh, it was a tweet and, and, a, and a pretty wild one of that, a pretty powerful one. Um, and, and it just said, it, it was from, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, at Arash Markazi. Uh, it just said, turn out the lights, the party's over. And it's a shot of an empty uh, Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego uh, at night. So San Diego Chargers look like they are moving to Los Angeles. Uh, so uh, pretty crazy. Uh, we go from zero teams in L.A. to now two teams in L.A., which uh, – pretty, well, uh, pretty strong chance that Oakland's going to end up in uh, Las Vegas at some point. Yeah, I mean uh, it's potential as well. Yeah, so, the the the, um, the scape of the NFL is absolutely changing. Well, why don't we uh, throw up the call in number one more time? And uh, I don't know, you want to send us a break before we? Uh, yeah, well, this, well, uh, the, the the number to call in if you want to call in and talk to us is eight six six three nine eight zero three eight three. Again, that is eight six six. Three nine eight zero three eight three. Uh before we jump to break though, um, you know, I kinda put it out there for uh people to, to drop in some topics that they wanted to. Ryan, uh unable to listen live. He is working right now. Uh Ryan, hope you're enjoying your Wednesday night at work. Uh but uh he he, he Wednesday night at work would be better if Jim and Dave were in his ear. Well that is true. That is true. We he needs to uh he needs to do that. But uh he, he wanted us to touch on Carl Edwards uh, announced that he is stepping away from NASCAR. He is not using the word retirement, uh, but he said he is walking away uh, from NASCAR for three personal reasons. He said he's content with his career accomplishments. He wants to spend more time on outside interests, uh, He's he and he said he's healthy and doesn't want that to change. Uh, now, I'm not the biggest NASCAR guy, um, but uh, you know it should be kind of noted that uh, you know, this is a guy that that I do recognize his name. Thirty-seven years of age, um, he was a Bush Series champion in two thousand seven. Uh, he won. Uh, he was the NASCAR Sprint All Race winner in two thousand eleven. Uh, if you look over his, uh, he has run four hundred forty-five races. Last year, he finished fourth. His best finish was second, both in two thousand eight and two thousand eleven. Uh, his first race of the 2004 GFS Marketplace 400. His final race, the 2016 Ford EcoBoost 400. Uh, he had 28 wins in his career, 223 top 10s, and he was uh, he rode the pole uh, for 22 races. Uh, he started the race uh, in first. So, obviously, you know, he's, he's finishing off with a pretty impressive career, never uh, – Never won the never won the series. Came in second twice. Uh, obviously, a great racer. But um, when, whenever a guy steps away, you know it, it always kind of goes to why. And you look at the reasons why. Hard to argue with him. You know, he had a great career. He's healthy. Uh, doesn't want to risk it. Uh, you know, has other things. Uh, you know, and I'm sure family and things like that uh, play into it as well. So, you know, you can't argue with a guy at 37 years old. He's had a hell of a career, and and. Um, always safer to, uh, and smarter to get out when, when you feel ready to, and if you're not, you can't put it at a hundred percent, then, then I think it's a smart thing to, uh, to walk away. Yeah. I can't argue with that at all, Jim. Uh, I, I think it's a little, 
Um, I, I'm right with you that I, I, I used to be pretty big in NASCAR 15 years ago, but uh, since gotten away from it a good bit. But uh, one thing that's, that's interesting to me in this situation, and I, I can't confirm if it's true or not, but I think I remember hearing uh, the last Sprint Cup race that it might not even be Sprint Cup anymore. I'm not sure about that. But uh, the, the last race of the year, I think Edwards had the lead, and if he would have held on, uh, he would have won the Sprint Cup championship, but he uh, actually went into the wall or crashed or something along those lines uh, with about 10 laps to go. So he was uh, actually really close to to actually winning the championship this past year. So that's, um, that, that kind of, I don't know uh, what that makes me feel in the whole story because he was close to, to being on top and then decided, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, granted, I think he has some excellent reasons for it, but the timing's kind of peculiar. Um, it almost makes me me wonder if there isn't uh, more going on with between the the car manufacturer and sponsor and something along those lines. Um, I have no reason to think there is. It's just kind of a suspicion, something along those lines. Uh, but uh, it, it's just an interesting timing for this whole thing. So um, I, I, I obviously commend the guy for going out uh, to spend more time with his family and to give up a. Uh, multi-million dollar career uh, because he can and he has his health. So um, I, I also think that the uh, concussion issue with Dale Jr. that he had this year could have factored into that too because I don't know that uh, – I, I know Dale missed a whole bunch of races because of the concussion he suffered. So um, something that could uh, could be factoring on Carl's mind there. So um, that's pretty much all I have on that. But uh, I, I obviously wish him the best and uh, uh, hope he – he uh, enjoys his new endeavor. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dave, let's uh, let's take a, a break quick. We have a call. We'll get to it on the other side of the break. So, everybody, hang on, and uh, we join us for the second half Huddle Up podcast here in GSCSports.com. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Huddle Up Podcast, NGSCSports.com. We are live. It is Wednesday, January the 11th, 
2017. Again, Facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast is the place to find the show, the links to subscribe to us. Make sure you do that. If you subscribe on iTunes, make sure you rate and review us. Check out the homepage, NGSCSports.com, for all the news, all the shows across the NGSC Sports Radio Network. We also stream daily uh, on uh, LeebSports.com. That is L-E-E-I-B Sports. Dot com. So, Dave, we uh, we finished up the first hour there, and uh, or the, I guess the first half of the show it wasn't quite an hour, as the uh, show is going to keep morphing as we go into the end uh, the uh, football off season. We are officially in college football off season mode, and uh, I'm sure there will be some stories uh, that that come out throughout the uh, build up towards draft time. Uh, the number to call in eight six six three nine eight zero three eight three. Again, that is eight six six. Three nine eight zero three eight three. We do have a caller. Is a five five nine area code. Let us know who you are and where you're calling from. Big Jim, what's going on, man? It's Kyle Nash, the student of the game, man. I was I was checking you guys out while I was editing some of the articles on the back in NGSCSports.com, and I just wanted to weigh in real quick, man. How you doing? Doing good, brother. How are you doing? Oh, man. Hey, it's bittersweet. It's playoff time. This week we might actually have a round of playoff games that are worth our time. But it's towards the end of the season, like you just said. We're transitioning off of football. Rough day in time for me, but you know, first world problems. What can I say? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it, it is. We're coming to that time of year, and uh, you know, I had an I had an easy weekend this past weekend as my Cowboys uh, were on a bye week. But of course, the uh, the nerves are going to uh, going to tick up here over the next couple days. I'm sure as we get near the uh, the late game on Sunday. Um, anything in particular, Kyle, you want to hit on, uh, tonight as we transition our talk to some NFL playoffs? Well, I'll tell you what, man, uh, you, you know, you mentioned your Cowboys and I figured that you would be, uh, somebody who might support this theory. And, and I wanted to float this out here to you as somebody I trust big Jim, uh, because I, I talked about it, uh, on my show on Monday and, um, I had, uh, my, uh, my good friend, Chris Rankin, uh, who's my co-host, I've known him for 30 years and he didn't make me he didn't make me feel like I needed to get a tinfoil hat with this particular theory but I'm gonna float it to you you're a cowboy guy you'll be able to weigh in on it yourself I'm sure um but everybody's been talking about MVP talk and all this other stuff and and I've heard everything from trying to hand it to a guy whose team won with the backups back up without him and all this other stuff or even giving it to Aaron Rodgers who this this time last year everybody was claiming was dragging the, the the team down not me but i digress <laughs> and i've even heard people float Dak prescott and uh, uh ezekiel elliott as co-mvps and that's where it hit me um they've done co-mvps before but if you're going to do a co-mvp i think this is a year to do it and the co-mvps in question for 2016 should be the dallas cowboys o-line thought I mean, obviously, you you can't deny uh, the impact of the Dallas Cowboys offensive line on the success of that team. But the, the only thing I'll say about this, and and I and I've had the uh, the discussion with people uh, throughout the course of the season, is 
this is pretty much the offensive line that was there a, a year ago, and I and I get that it was a much different story with with Brandon Whedon and uh, Kellen Moore and whoever God else I blocked out of my memory was playing quarterback for the Cowboys last year. Uh, I mean, Darren McFadden was a thousand yard rusher, so I mean, in to be able to keep that guy healthy shows the uh, the impact of that offensive line. I just, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a huge part of what the Dallas Cowboys are, much like the offensive line was in the '90s. What I will say about it is, is the 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 difference maker that that Ezekiel Elliott is, and, and obviously the 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 poise of a young quarterback thrust into, um, you know, arguably the hardest job in the National Football League, uh, can't be denied either. Should I do? I think either of those guys. Should be MVP. I, I don't know. As as a Cowboys fan, uh, you know, I, I'm sitting here going. I, I've seen individual awards with Alex Ovechkin with the Capitals and uh, other players uh, throughout the years uh, on my favorite teams, and uh, I, I'm just to the point where I, I don't need in individual awards anymore. I just want to see my team raising that trophy when when, uh, when the last game of the season is played. Uh, if they get MVPs, if they get Rookie of the Years, things like that. Uh, awesome. Uh, I couldn't be happier for him, but, but I just, uh, I, I, I want a world championship. I want a super bowl. I want a Stanley cup. Uh, call me Grady. I want them all. <laughs> hey, well, man, Jim, are you going to, are your, uh, are your Cowboys going to be raising the, uh, the, the scramble trophy from the golf course when the super bowl is oh. played? Cause they're not even going to make it. What are they going to be playing um, the Panthers or? Yeah, they are. It's going to be a heck of a match. And I'll let you win. I don't care. <laughs> Um, but going back to the, the, the MVP question, um, I, I think it is a great point on something like that. Um, but it, to me, the fact is the, the MVP is always going to be in the NFL. It's going to be a quarterback, a wide receiver, or a running back. Um, anything other than that isn't sexy enough for the NFL. As dumb as that sounds, uh, it, it's all about flash and, and um, ratings and everything. And if it's not sexy – I mean, it's not going to get done. I, I mean, it's like seeing J Big Jim raise the MVP. No one wants to see him raising an MVP <laughs> and the gut sticking out the bottom of the shirt. So, um. <laughs> oh man, I'm a former O lineman. You can't hate like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not hating on him. I'm just realistic with you. Well, I, I, no, I no, yeah. There's truth here. It goes back to when when Manti Teo didn't win the Heisman Trophy, and I'm not going to get into that argument. But it's it, there's certain positions that will garner those awards, and you and you have to really, really go above and beyond, and and absolutely change the topic of discussion week in and week out. And I don't know um, that 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 anybody has done that to to get it away from a, a quarterback or a running back. Oh, and, and I don't pose the theory implying that I have any illusions of grandeur that it's going to occur, gentlemen. Look, as a fat man myself that fought in the trenches, <laughs> I know I'm protecting the pretty boys so he could get famous. But, hey, I had to at least bring it up so the voice could be heard, not only for what they've done for the DAC attack and the Zeke streak, but, hey, I'll put it to you this way, and pardon me if it's a little harsh to you, uh, uh, Big Jim, as a Cowboy fan. You know, Deshaun Lee stayed a bit more healthy than usual this year? It's because he's spending less time on the field. That's right. I'm actually implying this offensive line has helped this defense just as much as anybody else on the field. Oh, I'm not implying it. I, I've downright said it multiple times throughout this year. There, there's no sure. denying it. it, it it's, um, it, 
the, the Cowboys defense is it was never a lack of, of talent. It was it was the fact that uh, they threw the ball way too damn much, which ended up, you know, having them to punt way too damn much. And that defense was on the field for, you know, 35, 40 or more minutes of a game. Now you're, you're not seeing them out there a lot. And when they are, they're hitting harder. They're moving quicker. Uh, guys like Sean Lee, who um, one of the most talented linebackers in the NFL, but could never stay healthy because he just couldn't get a break. Um, you know, and, and, and he's playing better. Uh, I, I saw an article, I want to say it was uh, Sports Illustrated the other day, was ranking their uh, secondaries that are left uh, in, in, the, in the playoffs. They had the Cowboys at number one because they were, they're finally healthy. Today, there was nobody on the injury report uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, which is unbelievable at this time of year. You want to talk about the advantage of being that far ahead of everybody? Nobody on the injury report. <laughs> Uh, a few days before the divisional weekend. Uh, the the secondary is getting healthy. The pass rush has been better. The run defense at one point was ranked number one in the NFL. Um, it, it, you know, it, it is absolutely this season uh, with the leading running back, the best offensive line in football, it has completely changed that team. Will it, it will it, you know, cause them to win on Sunday? I hope so. Uh, but uh, as Dave and I will talk about in a little bit, I mean, it, it's, it's not a guarantee by any stretch of the word. Absolutely not a guarantee, but but I, I do have faith in, in what this team um, not only has right now, but is building. Yeah, man, I can't front on that. Listen, man, fantastic. Uh, like I said, I appreciate the weigh-in. Like I said, I have no illusions of grandeur, but you sound like that uh, uh, though it may not happen, it would be just if it did, uh, and, and I'll, leave, I'll, I'll be satisfied with that. Uh, but I'll go ahead and leave you guys to do your thing and continue listening as I knock out some work. And uh, I'll, I'll give you these two well wishes before I go, Big Jim. Uh, first of all, here's to more staying power with Dak Prescott than Colin Kaepernick. And um, here's to you getting the cake of a championship instead of the icing of an MVP. All right, Have a well, good night, guys. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, so thank you, Kyle, for the call in. And again, you can call in as well. 866-398-0383 is the number. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously an interesting interesting uh, idea proposed, uh, without a doubt. Um, and and you can't deny the impact uh, that the uh, that the offensive line has had on the Dallas Cowboys. So, Dave, let's take a quick look back at this past weekend. The uh, the wild card weekend. Your winners: the Houston Texans, twenty seven to fourteen; the Seattle Seahawks, twenty six to six over Detroit. Uh, you had the Steelers, thirty to twelve over Miami, and the Green Bay Packers, thirty eight to thirteen over the New York Giants. Which game, Dave, out of these four, was most surprising to you? Can I just plead the fifth on that? Um, I, I think, I think the, the, I don't really have a game that was surprising because all four, um, favorites won pretty handedly. Um, I, I think what is surprising to me in the, in the way that the games were played, um, I'll buy it. I was at two hockey games this weekend, so I didn't see a whole lot of the NFL games, but, uh, apparently I didn't miss much. No. Um, I, from, from what I saw in the box lines, the stats, everything, um, and what I've read on, on, on online and everything uh what, what is most surprising to me is the inability for these nine favorite teams so i'm looking at mainly the uh 
the Lions, the Dolphins, and uh, the Giants to capitalize when they were in enemy territory, for lack of better terms. I mean, I saw numerous tweets about uh, missed opportunities. I mean, the Dolphins fumbled at the end of the half. Um, just just getting six when you're down, or three down there instead of six. Um, just the, the inability to, for lack of a better term, and I know it's an issue that you suffer from, Jim, but the inability <laughs> to finish. Oh, thank you. It's even talking to my wife, have you? <laughs> Her and I are uh, better friends than you ever know. But uh, I, I think the scores in these games um, are a little misleading in, some, in, in my eyes in some aspects. Um, I think a lot of the games were a lot better and more competitive than what the scores indicate. It's just the, 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 the losing team wasn't able to get into the end zone. I mean, I know that's kind of the point of the game, but uh, going back to the, the, the college football game championship, I mean, you, you look at the box score in some of these, you wouldn't say that the scores were the way that they were. So uh, that's, that's kind of my two cents for lack of better terms. But uh, I, again, I don't have a whole lot to stand on since I didn't see more than probably about three, three or four quarters of football this weekend. So uh, I'll, I'll throw it back to you on that and let you kind of expand on it a little bit. I, I was more surprised with the NFC games. Um, you know, no, no offense to Anthony, but uh, if you really looked at it, even though I don't think Pittsburgh is that great, especially defensively, um, I, I don't think you know Miami overachieved. Uh, Oakland just got hurt at, at the wrong time. I picked Houston. A lot of guys I work with uh, that 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 were in the uh, that were in the pick'em pool uh, thought I was crazy for picking Houston. Uh, but but the NFC game surprised me, and and uh, for as lopsided as they were, I thought Detroit had a real chance to win. And in fact, early on, um, they they didn't they didn't get up in points, but uh, I thought they were absolutely controlling the game. And then there was a point where. Uh, they were, you know, fourth and one and a half. Uh, they were on the the Seattle somewhere in the in the in the mid forty range yard line range, and their defense was absolutely shutting down the Seattle offense, which which really hasn't been that hard to do this year. They decided to go for it on fourth down instead of punting and pinning them deep. Uh, they didn't get it. Seattle went down and scored. And never looked back. And I thought that that play changed the game. And there was a couple times in in other games this weekend where where teams went for it on fourth down at at just weird spots and weird times in the scope of the game. Uh, Green Bay did it. uh, I thought almost let it slip away, but then then uh, you know the Giants just couldn't capitalize. And and you know I I thought Detroit screwed up big time there. And and I'm just really surprised. By by the Giants, I know uh, Dominic Rogers Cromartie went down hurt. Uh, the Giants' defense, especially the secondary, my God, looked lost uh, after that. I mean, when you're when you, you when you can't get to Aaron Rodgers and sack him, you can't contain Aaron Rodgers between the tackles, and you don't have a secondary that can cover the receivers. And then, mind you, they're without Jordy Nelson. <laughs> like, Jordy Nelson got hurt. Doubtful to play this weekend. Um, I mean, you you deserve to lose. You deserve to get embarrassed. And, and that's what happened to the Giants. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was hitting guys that didn't have a defender within 15 yards on any side of it. 
It was stunning to watch for as much as everybody touted this New York Giants defense. And down the stretch, they played great. I can't take away what the Giants defense did um, you know, from about week 10, week 11 on. They, they were great, but they were terrible at the worst time. And Odell Beckham Jr., one of the best in the NFL at, at the wide receiver position, couldn't have been worse at, 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 at the worst time. Uh, dropping balls, a, a couple of passes that he dropped, I think would have changed the game. Uh, he dropped a touchdown. He dropped a big first down uh, that would have kept the drive going on a third down. Uh, just, just uh, terrible, terrible play um, by a guy who. Uh, and I'm not going to get into the boat stuff because it, 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 it's 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 meaningless. It did not cause him to drop those passes, but something did. And uh, you know, for for the Giants, they they have an off season to uh, you know evaluate themselves, and I think Odell Beckham Jr. does uh, as well. So you have uh, you had all the home teams win: Texans, Seahawks, Steelers, and uh, and Packers uh, win this past weekend. So Dave, let's uh, let's let's look at the Pickham standings. Like we said, we were not on the air last week. Um, week seventeen. I went ten and six to finish the regular season, one fifty six and one hundred. Uh, that is a sixty one percent correct. Uh, you were nine and seven for a regular season of one forty five and one eleven uh, at fifty seven percent. You and I each went two and two in playoff week one. So obviously, I'm at one fifty eight and one hundred two. You are one forty seven and one thirteen as we head into the last couple weeks here. Um, so let's look at this weekend's games. Let, let's let's talk about them. Let's predict them. We'll look at who the favorites are, who the uh, the underdogs are. Let's start with 4.35 p.m. on uh, Saturday. That is January the 14th. This one on Fox. It is the Seattle Seahawks, the number three seed at the number two seed. Atlanta Falcons. You have Atlanta, a five-point home favorite. 4.35 p.m. start. I like the Falcons, and and it comes down to this: the the the, the question is, I know uh, CJ Procise was practicing. I don't think he'll be back in the lineup for Seattle. If he does, the guy is a potential game changer. The best we saw out of the Seattle offense this season was the limited amount of time. I think it was, a, I think it was two weeks that CJ Procise was in the lineup. He is a much better running back than any other option they have. Uh, but uh, I don't think he'll be playing this weekend. I don't think Seattle is good enough to go into Atlanta. Uh, their offense just isn't, and they, they will not be able to get into a shootout with the Falcons. That offense is too good. So I like the Falcons in this one. Jim, I uh, I, I actually, uh, for the first time this playoffs, I think we're agreeing on a game. Um, this is probably uh, one of my favorite games on the board this weekend. Um, I think at Atlanta – uh, continues with the trend from the previous weekend and absolutely pummels Seattle. Um, I think the Seattle team is very overrated. Um, I know that's hard to say on a um, playoff team, but I think this team has extreme flaws. Um, I think Atlanta has the perfect um, fortitude on offense to beat them, that they can beat them through the air, or they can do these little dink and dunk screens which drive an absolutely aggressive Seattle defensive front nut. So I think Atlanta is going to absolutely roll in this game. 
Um, I, I would be a little surprised if this one is um, closer than a touchdown, um, but I'm expecting double digits for Atlanta in this one. I think it's a, uh, I, I think it's a game that a lot of people are saying, oh, it's playoff time, Seattle's back. Uh, this is a possibility where one of these road teams can come in and get a win, and uh, I, I just don't see it in this game. Um, I, I hope I'm right because I do not like the Seahawks at all. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how um, Atlanta tries to beat Seattle because as long as they focus on um, throwing the ball through the air and doing a lot of uh, dink and dunk type stuff instead of trying to running or instead of trying to run the ball, it'll be fine. Um, I don't think this Seattle team is easy to run the ball against, but I think this is the exact opposite of what you normally have to do versus teams that you have to establish the pass in order to get the run going. So as long as they come out and start running the ball and as long as their defense is solid, again, the defense doesn't have to be great. Um, they just have to be solid. Um, I think Atlanta is okay in this game. So uh, kind of my two cents on that, but I think this Atlanta team is uh, very explosive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they're, they're pretty damn dangerous. Uh, just uh, jumping in on, on, on a hockey score here, it is to 3-1 the Capitals with about eight minutes left in the third. Funny we haven't heard from Mitch tonight. Mitch, are you out there, buddy? 866-398-0383. Funny how he, he's awful more talkative uh, when it is uh, the Penguins leaving the Capitals. Real funny. Uh, real funny that I'm guy. Just ha- I'm just happy he's not picking on me for once. He, he normally comes in and uh, jabs at me for something, and I don't even know the guy. <laughs> he's supposed to be on my side going after you. I know, right? You know, it it it, it amazed me that that Mitch uh, w- was ever on my side. Uh, but as we're transitioning out of football uh, into hockey, I'm sure that will change. Don't let him know you're a Cowboys fan, Dave. Uh, but uh, and in and, and funny hockey stuff, I saw this. Uh, I just saw this retweet. Um, the <laughs> there was somebody tweeted at the LA Kings uh, that I guess they're a Sharks fan, and they said the Kings are mad because we have the best entrance. In the NHL, the Kings Twitter account, which has always been pure gold, responded, Sharks' entrance is always great, but we're bigger fans of their annual playoff exit. Uh, That is pretty good. And then somebody tweeted, uh, I guess the Blue Jackets blew a 4-1 lead a couple nights back. It said, at Blue Jackets NHL, imagine blowing a 4-1 lead. LMFAO can't relate. And the uh, Blue Jackets responded, probably because you don't play a professional sport. So uh, it's always cool. I love when uh, I love when sports teams and organizations um, have no chill. That's that's always fun. So a uh, little bit of humor there. Uh, AFC divisional playoff number four Houston at number one New England. This one eight fifteen p.m. Saturday night uh, on CBS. And, and you talk about a team that that got lucky as hell that they uh, drew the Raiders when they did. That is the Houston Texans because this team is really not all that good. Um, uh, Brock Osweiler probable. I know Tom Savage has been cleared. Whether he actually plays, I guess it could still be up in the air. Uh, It's not going to help. New England is a 16-point favorite. Uh, That is a huge number, and uh, this may be my bold pick of the week, but New England not only wins, but they – demolish that number this one might not even be that close at halftime well I agree with you in New England winning but I think New England wins a close one here this is one of those I have absolutely no idea why I feel that way Um, everything points to New England winning Um, I believe they beat Houston handedly uh, week three week four in the NFL season when uh, 
not only Brady was out, but they were on their third or fourth string quarterback. So um, logic would tell you that, okay, if they won by 35 points with their third string, they're able to do it with Brady. And then you look at the Vegas line and it's 16 ish. So why did they set the line so low? Now, granted, I think laying 16 points in a playoff game seems absolutely absurd, but Hey, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, I, I got a feeling that Vegas is going to take a pounding and a flood of money on uh, New England. And I, I just have a feeling that somehow Houston gets to the gets inside the number to, to make a uh, nice evening, nice Saturday evening for Vegas. Um, not quite sure how, because I, again, as it's pretty obvious to everyone, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on uh, discussing this one, but uh, New England's a better team here, but boy, wouldn't that be sweet to see Brady boy out one and done. Uh, as as a, a fan of a team that, that could potentially have to face them uh, in a, in a big game down the road, uh, the quicker Tom Brady and company can get out of the playoffs. I'm fine with it. Uh, as much as I don't think it'll happen in this one, if it happens, it happens. So let's move to Sunday. AFC Divisional Playoffs, number three, Pittsburgh, at number two, Kansas City. This one, 105 p.m. on NBC. So it is not Sunday night football, but it is Sunday afternoon football. We do get our Carrie Underwood fix this week, Dave, and I know you're happy about that very fact. Uh, Kansas City is a one-and-a-half-point home favorite, so really kind of maybe an edge slightly to Pittsburgh, kind of a toss-up here. Uh, I'm going to go with the home team. I, I'm, I, I like. I mean, Andy Reid, uh, coming off of a bye week, has always been very, very good. They had the bye week, and uh, I, I'll give Andy Reid the edge this week. Yeah, I can't argue with that logic. Um, I, I've. The, the, the couple things that are interesting to me in this is how bad is Ben's ankle? Um, he was seen in a walking boot and then later not in the walking boot. Um, is this Pittsburgh just putting on a show? Um, and the other thing is, what's, what, what's Joey Porter's effect going to have on everything this week? Ooh, um, I, yeah. I, I don't know too much onto that. Uh, honestly, I don't really think it has much effect. Um, but the, the, the other thing that has to be factored in with Pittsburgh this Pittsburgh team is explosive on the offensive side of the ball, as everyone knows. But this defense is really young. But the thing about this young defense is the last couple of games, they have played really well. Um, granted, it wasn't against the absolute best competition, but the defense has played um, a lot more uniform and a lot more um, to their schemes. So um, if I knew Ben was 100% healthy, um, which he's obviously not. I would probably be picking Pittsburgh in this game. Um, but since he's not, um, and I hate to do this because I don't trust Alex Smith as a quarterback at all, um, but I think I think uh, Kansas City is going to find a way to win this game. Uh, they have a very underrated defense. And uh, Kansas City is going to somehow win this game at home and uh, end Pittsburgh's dreams. But, uh, oh, my goodness, I just picked Alex Smith in a playoff game. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's crazy. And we both did. Uh, and even crazier, we have agreed on all three games so far. Bet your, bet your mortgage on Pittsburgh this weekend, folks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that this is where the agreement ends. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, I think I'm right. Uh, Sunday afternoon, the late game, NFC divisional playoffs, number four, Green Bay to number one, 
Dallas, 4.40 p.m. on Fox, Dallas four and a half points at home. I am picking my Cowboys, and kind of like I said to Kyle uh, and I've said on Twitter, is I, I do believe that if the Dallas Cowboys play their game, uh, if they run the ball, if they control the clock, they don't make that defense uh, be out there longer than they need to be. Um, I, I think that they will be able to do enough, especially with what is looking like a Jordy Nelson-less uh, Green Bay team. And I know they lost him early this past week against the New York Giants. I think this Cowboys defense right now, especially with the health that they've gotten to, uh, is better than that New York Giants defense. The key uh, defensively for Dallas, again, not being on the field a lot, but keeping Rodgers uh, inside the tackles. He Once he gets outside, it's where he does his, his real dangerous work because he runs the ball, he can find the open receiver. Those receivers have a way to, uh, you know, to, to get open. But uh, I think I think the Cowboys defensively will be good, and um, you know, and, and I know you have a rookie running back, you have a rookie quarterback, uh, but you know, these guys have been poised all season. Run the damn ball, control the damn clock, win the damn game. I have the Cowboys. Can I come over and watch this game with you, Big Jim? No. Well, your wife will let you let me, so it's okay. No, she will not. <laughs> um. So I have a question for you before I give my prediction to this game. If, I, if you were coaching the Packers or any other team coming in to play Dallas, what would you be doing to beat Dallas? What would I do to beat Dallas? Where, where's Dallas's weaknesses in your eyes, and what, what do you think would be the, the game plan in order to take down the Cowboys, for lack of better terms? Uh, control Ezekiel Elliott. Make Dak Prescott make plays. Make the Cowboys use the passing game. I think that's your best chance is is to have to put the game into Dak Prescott's hands more than it needs to be. If you take Ezekiel Elliott out of the game and it becomes a point where you're you're throwing the ball too much, then I think you you, you know because then it's going to have that same impact where the defense will probably be on the field more, the defense will tire out a little bit more, and uh, it'll affect both sides of the ball. So I think if you can take Zeke out of the game. Um, then, then I think you have a have a pretty good chance at winning. I think that's a very valid point. Um, I, I think that this game, as uh, I don't want to say as dumb as it sounds, but I think this game is going to be decided in the first quarter. Um, if if the Cowboys are winning after the first quarter, I think it's over. If the Packers are ahead, um, I think the pressure on Dak is just going to keep getting building and building and building. And I don't want to say he's going to start forcing stuff, but. Uh, he, I, I, I've said it all year. He really hasn't faced a ton of adversity all year, and that's a that's a concern to me. Um, with, with that being said, I I think that there is a lot better ratings potential, and I, I know it's a business, and I know uh, I, I I know you know my opinion that the NFL is rigged in every possible way for a lot of things to happen. Um, so I think that bodes well for the Cowboys because I think the ratings are better if the Cowboys move on. Um, and no, I'm not saying you're going to win the Super Bowl because it, <laughs> it's going to improve ratings. That's not what I said at all. Um, I, to me, this is the toughest game this weekend. Um, I, I have a, I have one of these Dave gut feelings that the Cowboys win, and that's been extremely rare. Um, I, I think they are going to be able to uh, – the, the, the Packers have had some secondary issues this year. Uh, I, I, 
sense that they're going to be able to do enough to get by and win this game. Um, but at the same time, I can see Rodgers taking the, the Packers. The, the Packers get up to a 10 nothing lead. What's the mindset in Dak and everything else at the moment? Like that, that's what I – because I don't know that it's been tested at all this year in all honesty. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's been points where, you know, they've kind of put the game in his hands and, and – um but but it hasn't been a uh, where it has it hasn't been an uh, you know overwhelmingly you know strenuous situation because the Cowboys had been so far out ahead. I mean, I know against the Eagles uh, they had to come from behind, but you know we we saw what the Eagles ended up being, and you know I I, I part of me wants to say the the, the kid's been real poised, uh, you know, but you you don't know how this stage is going to affect him until we see him out there on Sunday. So there is a lot of factors. Um, you know, everybody talks about the experience of, you know, Aaron Rodgers and and what the Packers are, and they've been there and, and all of this. But, you know, the, there, there's a lot of guys on this Cowboys team, and there's one that is, you know, going to be, you know, uh, you know, with a clipboard and, and talking into the headset uh, on that Cowboys sideline that has experience in, in, in these games. And, you know, can – you know, be, be influential and, uh, you know, help calm a young quarterback down. So, you know, is it, uh, you know, is it something that, that is overwhelmingly concerning to me? No, but you know, I'd be lying if it wasn't in the back of my mind and we're sitting here on Wednesday again, this is Wednesday. This is, this is calm midweek, Jim. If we record this thing on, on Saturday night, uh, I, I think I sound a whole, a whole hell of a lot different uh, because I'll be getting a lot more nervous by that point. But, uh, you know, it, it I, I'm excited. And, and as I've done all season, Dave, you know, I, I, I don't uh, I don't have these big grand uh, illusions and you know, the Cowboys are definitely winning the Super Bowl or anything of that. I've taken which is really weird for me because usually I, I start to let my uh, expectations and things like that really kind of go crazy. But I've really been taking this one week to week, and and if this is where this this season ends, yeah, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, I'll be upset. Absolutely. But in the same light, the, uh, when Roma went down in week three of the preseason, nobody had the Cowboys here, especially not thirteen and three and number one in the NFC. So, um, you know, th- this this was really unexpected. The way the Cowboys rolled through this season and the ability to enjoy each week and. Uh, you know, you know, very rarely get upset, especially after the season they had last year. Uh, confident, yes. Concerned, a little bit. Um, ready for the game to friggin' start so I can just whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Absolutely, these next two days are gonna suck ass at work, and then uh, going through the the Saturday games. Yeah, definitely. Um, with, with all this being said, um, I'm taking the Packers. Everyone against Cowboys all freaking year. I'm not gonna stop now. Um, if they burn me three more times, they burn me three more times. You'll be a happy man. Um, for, for, with that being said, I mean, going through a, a, a deep playoff run with the Panthers last year, um, I hope for your sake that if they're going to, uh, if they're going to lose that they just do it and get it over with. Cause building you up to that, having two weeks to just be built up, to be crushed, um, I, I can't imagine you going through that cause that was, uh, quite brutal. Um, especially hearing nothing in the media, but for two weeks saying how we're going to win the game and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so 
Um, I, I hope, um, I hope that you guys, uh, I, I mean, I hope that you play well and whatever the result of the game is from there. I hope it's not something like I had to watch through the Super Bowl where it was, we are playing like absolute idiots. And I clean that up because we're on the podcast for what I really still want to say. Um, but I, I, I hope that you guys play well. And if you get beat, you get beat type thing. I hope that it's a football game and not a zebra game. Um, yeah. So it, it should be um, potential to be one of the the marquee games of this playoff season. I mean, I don't know that you get a marquee game on the ASC the whole way through. So um, there, there's really only six. The the only the only the only marquee game I think you can get on the AFC side, uh, and it's just it's based on on you know teams and quarterbacks is if Pittsburgh and New England win on uh, this weekend, uh, and then you get the the New England Pittsburgh AFC Championship. Otherwise. Your your AFC doesn't have a marquee matchup, um, and depending how, depending who makes the Super Bowl, this may be your best matchup, uh, potentially best game of the entire NFL playoffs. I don't know, but I agree with you, Dave. If the Cowboys aren't going to win the Super Bowl, don't get me there, please. Sports gods, I know you love watching me suffer, um, but haven't with Notre Dame and fantasy football, haven't I suffered enough this year that if the Cowboys aren't going to do it, just you know, make it quick, pull the bandage off fast, you know, don't make me suffer, please. Uh, so Dave, the only thing, the last thing that you're going to see is, can you imagine if this Cowboys game comes down to a Bailey 50 yard field goal? Oh, I, I, if, if that happens, um, I'm going to shotgun as many beers as I can physically fit at my face and hope I just pass out before the kick (laughs) because, you know, good or no good, I don't want to be conscious for it. <laughs> I think I, I'm watching at the end of the game, <laughs> let alone being a playoff game. I mean, I think I think that's the that's the the responsible way to handle that, right? Just drink it. Uh, you're asking responsible <laughs> of me and beer. Um. So to to just recap, you and I have the Falcons over the Seahawks. We have the Patriots over. The Texans, the Chiefs over the Steelers. You have Green Bay over Dallas. I have Dallas over Green Bay. Dave, looking over the teams that are left, we're not going to, uh, you know, make our entire bracket as we kind of missed that chance uh, last week. Who do you see as the most likely team in the play or in the Super Bowl uh, from either conference? Just your most likely. And and I think this one's probably the easy one. Who is your least likely to make the Super Bowl? Huh. Well, most likely is obviously the Patriots. Least likely is obviously the Texans from the AFC. That one's not hard. Right. Um, NFC is very um, interesting in, in the fact that I think I think Dallas is going to have their hands full with whoever comes out of the Atlanta Seattle game. Um, I, I I don't know what happens to to Dallas versus either of them. I mean, I can sit here and I can say, I mean, because Seattle will will slow down and severely limit Zeke which puts everything back on Dak versus that defense. And I think that gives him a ton of trouble. And I don't know that they can go up and down the field with Atlanta. 
if Atlanta's defense has any type of a game. Um, but on the counter argument, I can make an argument for the Cowboys winning without a, you know what I mean? So the, the, the AFC is literally, um, I, I would have to say that Seattle is probably my least likely, but I don't want to go on record saying that. And then they, they bone me and I have to watch bonehead Pete in the Super Bowl again. Oh God. <laughs> oh, there, there's the perfect ending. The, the Romo fumble fumble turns into a Dak fumble. On the missed field goal. Oh, uh, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that? I don't think Dak doesn't hold. I don't even know who'll hold kicks, but it's not. It's not Dak, and it's not Romo. Uh, my AFC is just like yours. Uh, New England most likely, Houston least likely. Um, most likely, and this would probably surprise a lot of people. Uh, in the NFC, is the is is probably just based on the way they're playing, regardless of me picking Dallas, might be the Green Bay Packers. I think most people, and this is why I'm saying it, most people probably expect the Green Bay Packers to be in the Super Bowl. And and the way they've been playing, um, you know, they're kind of on a roll. It, it might be the most likely uh, team to make it. Uh, the least likely, and, and even though they're the number two seed, Atlanta Falcons. They're a team that, you know, has has a propensity for making mistakes and finding ways to lose in the postseason as opposed to finding ways to win. So that is my most and least likely uh in the uh, yeah. in the NFC. Are, are are you drunk from shotgunning these beers in your mind? Because you just said the least likely and the most likely, and you picked against the most likely this week, and you picked for the least likely. Are, are you, like, thinking about shotgunning 18 beers and they got you drunk or something here? What's going on? Well, but mo- like we, we've talked about for, for, you know, weeks ago that the chances of the number one seed playing the number one seed in the Super Bowl is very unlikely. So the predictions don't necessarily put me, you know, uh, line up with the most likely and the least likely. I, I take into account what other people probably would expect uh, when I when I look at that as well in terms of like shock value and what have you, and I think you know most people would probably have Green Bay in the uh, in in the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I think a lot of people oh. would probably expect Atlanta to uh, to lose at some point, find a way to lose. So that is uh, that is why I have them as the least likely to uh, Keep drinking your Kool Aid, big guy. That's why I do enjoy the Kool Aid. Speaking of which, the Washington Capitals with a five to two win over the uh, over the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I know Mitch is. Uh, we've checked in with Mitch. He is he is alive. He is awake. He is functional, but uh, he didn't feel the need to call in this week. So Dave, uh, anything else before we uh, close up the show for this uh, for this edition? No, uh, pretty pretty quiet on the front. Uh, I mean, it's it's a nice uh, ninety minute show here. We'll do a little bit more in depth preview of the. Uh, AFC championship games uh, next weekend, I think, and uh, probably about an hour NFL special on that. And then uh, we'll obviously do some kind of uh, big uh, Super Bowl um, preview show somewhere along the line between the uh, championships and the Super Bowl. Um, the only other thing I did want to mention is uh, I believe we had a, uh, a winner crown finally in the, uh, the bowl pick uh, The second place finisher, I have to toot my own horn a little bit in this, um, but I believe Tyler, Tyler Groves came in second place of the 
the College Bowl Pick'em. So he will be uh, joining us on a on an episode in the near future, or a podcast in the near future. And uh, we'll also t- take home the, the $25 gift, gift, gift card. Uh, I also had to comment on that to bring that up because the only reason he moved out of last place is whoever's in second to last place didn't submit a pick for the title game. <laughs> so you, you kind of lucked out on that one. I would have had a field day with you. Um, so any any way any way I can uh, any way I can can sneak out of uh, being the worst. But I would also like to mention that your wife waxed you in that. So good job, Dana. Yeah, she kicked my I'm ass in fantasy football this year. It's not not anything that I uh, that I'm not used to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to keep the keep the women happy at home. But uh, I, I hope everyone enjoys the games this weekend. Um, we're going to start focusing on some. Uh, some extra non-football related stuff. So I got to get, uh, got to start doing some uh, college basketball watching. I think uh, West Virginia beat Baylor, who was one of the, the few undefeated teams left. Um, I actually think there's only one undefeated team left at the moment. I can't think of who it is, but uh, that number is starting to dwindle. But uh, West Virginia beat uh, former number one seed. Well, I guess they're still currently the number one seed uh, in Baylor a couple days ago in basketball. Um, so uh, we're, we're going to expand to some college basketball, some hockey, um, golf when the time comes, throwing a little horse racing, uh, anything else that anyone wants to hear about or see, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be doing, um, I'm going to take the college basketball and I'm giving Jim the NBA. So that's already been decided because uh, we all know Jim's <laughs> love for the NBA. Love that NBA but, basketball. So uh, that, that's all I have though, before I keep rambling on and uh, uh, I'm just, you know, happy to be be doing the football talk with you again. Uh, happy to be here in the new year. So check with all check our, this out. I don't our, know. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much truth there is to this. Uh, the tweets just coming. I'm more developing on this uh, Chargers to LA situation. It says the Chargers will most likely play at the StubHub Center in Carson, California. It is the home of the LA Galaxy of the of Major League Soccer. It holds just twenty seven thousand fans. So uh that might be that might be more than they drew last year in all honesty. Uh absolutely would be. I watched that last game and the uh and at least the blue seats showed up in San Diego for the team's what is now looking like their final game. Uh Dave, let them know your Twitter account and then we're going to close up. Sure. Uh we're at uh at D Gerhart 024. Uh that's D G E R H A R T 024 on Twitter. Uh, again, thanks for everyone for tuning in and listening and uh, downloading us and listening. And uh, feel free to tweet myself or uh, Big Jim with any type of ideas for upcoming shows or uh, anything that you'd like to hear us talking about. Uh, I mean, we pulled NASCAR in tonight, but uh, anything else that you want to hear us talk about, uh, we're, we're more than willing to look into it and uh, we'll welcome suggestions and uh, also along with that hopeful call-ins uh, to discuss your topics. So uh, thanks again for everyone for your support and uh, we look forward to talking to you in the coming weeks. All right, Dave, have a good one. Enjoy the games this weekend. You too, my man. All right, so that's going to do it. We are out. The first show officially in the books for 2017. We thank you for listening. We thank Kyle for calling in. I thank Dave for being a part of it, and we uh, we always thank you uh, all for playing along. Join us each and every week, uh, at least until the end of football season, each and every Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, live here on NGSCSports.com, and all the time on demand 
NGSC Sports on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, or subscribe to the show, Huddle Up with Jim and Dave on iTunes and Android. Make sure you rate and review us if you subscribe on iTunes. Visit NGSCSports.com for all the coverage, all the information there on the homepage. It is fantastic, so make sure you do that. We also stream daily, LeapSports.com, L-E-E-I-B Sports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports. And again, the Facebook page, the home of the show, facebook.com slash huddle up podcast. Guys, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the game. Stay safe. And until next Wednesday night, go for the win. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you.